Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. This is our, as I mentioned, second week in Cardell Theater. Thank you, Harrison. Our second week at Cardell Theater, and so we're just getting everything figured out here. We also... uh, (laughs) I need two stools. My buns are that big. Hello. Just kidding. Don't be offended. It's okay. Yeah, so this is our second week. We also are online as well, so you're always welcome to join us online. For those watching online today, we're so happy that you are here with us, and uh, we're just glad uh, we're having a great day. It's kind of a semi-nice day today, huh? A little bit of rain, a little bit of sun, but thank God for this last weekend, how beautiful it was. Amen? Man, come on, amen? Amen. Now, there's something about being in church. I don't know what kind of church you've been to before, but I like it when you talk to them. When you say nice things, this isn't like a comedian club where you can heckle me, <laughs> Bessie. <laughs> but this is like church. You know, we got to talk to each other. You know, this is a conversation. Really, I'm not asking you to have a conversation with me during my sermon, but I do mean that if something speaks to you, you're welcome to say, amen, let's try it. Let's try it for a minute, okay? God is good. Amen. Awesome. Well, come on, we're going to get into the Word today, and it's going to be fun. We are just uh, in our second week of our Unstoppable Church series, and uh, what we're going to do today is every week for the next eight weeks over the summer, I'm going to be um, just giving you one word uh, that helps kind of define why the church is unstoppable. And the goal of this series is to really help you understand, for those of you who've been to church for a while, uh, we're a little bit different than a normal church. Uh, We just have a very simple rhythm, and uh, and hopefully you can capture that rhythm today. Uh, We have a very simple rhythm, and we we just gather together, and we we, we grow in our groups. And that's really what we do, is we we gather together, and we have house-to-house opportunities to grow in our walk with God. We're regular folks, and we're just, you know, what you see is what you get. So if you don't like me today, you're probably not going to want to hang around. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure if you don't like me today, talk to my wife. She's a much better version of me. (laughs) Hey, now. No heckling. I did. I set them up. Note to self, don't set up the second service. (laughs) But come on, we're just going to talk about one word each week that kind of helps define it. Normally, I like to take several points, but we're just going to take one thought and really base the whole day around that one thought today. And so, you know, the reality is, is that the reason I want to do that is because we often kind of overcomplicate things, don't we? We kind of overcomplicate church, we overcomplicate God, we overcomplicate relationships, we just overcomplicate everything. We're just a complicated people. And the reality is, is that I wanted to take the next eight weeks and help uncomplicate. Is that a word? Uncomplicate. Undercomplicate. Uncomplicate. Uncomplicate. I want to uncomplicate. This is complicated. (laughs) I want to just make it easier and more simple for us to understand the realities of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a part of the local church. And, uh, and so that's my heart today. And so I want to, uh, you might think today walking out, man, that was a very simple message, but trust me, if you can get this into your life, you're going to be blessed by uh, this message today. And so I'm going to give you a bit of background to where we're going to go. We're going to read just three verses today. Our first verse is going to be found in Acts chapter two. And so let me give you a context. For those of you who maybe don't know the story of Acts chapter two, whether you're here today or you're watching online, let me help you understand where we are in our story of the church. Uh, Jesus was crucified over Passover, 
during the Passover feast, Jesus was crucified, and 50 days later was the Feast of Pentecost. And what happened was, is that uh, the, the Jews from all over the world would gather together in Jerusalem to celebrate this Feast of Pentecost. What this was, was happening for generations, for 1,500 plus years, the Jewish people were celebrating these different uh, feasts and these different, uh, these different meals and these different uh, celebrations to gather together to celebrate their lineage, to celebrate their history. Now, 1,500 years of believing in this idea of Yahweh and believing in this idea of their Judaism, their Jewish culture, it was kind of like being passed down for generations. So we be able to really tell if many of them had a true relationship with God based on whether they went to a feast or not, because it was a part of their history. It was a part of their family. It was a part of what they did in order to really be approved. If you would skip the, the Feast of Pentecost, you just wouldn't be a part of the family, ostracized. It was an important deal as a Jew to engage in these environments. And so here on Jerusalem, think about this for a minute. A hundred thousand people was about the hundred thousand people lived in Jerusalem, and over the 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 the, the, the Pentecost, over nine hundred thousand people would 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 all come together at Jerusalem. So every Best Western and every Holiday Inn was completely full until finally they would just camp out in the surrounding uh, valleys and grassy fields like Woodstock, and they would all gather around and they would all just kind of have these little camps for about a week or so. They would just celebrate this feast and they would gather together. And so here these people would gather with this idea. Here in this moment, they would gather with the idea of gathering together to remember a religious, uh, traditional habit that they had as Jewish families. 100,000 people became 900,000 people over a weekend. Can you imagine how chaotic that would be? And here they are gathered together and little did this group of people know that this year at Pentecost was going to be far different than previous years. They had about a group of about 100 people, had spent about three and a half years with this man named Jesus. And they believed that he was the coming Messiah that all of these Jewish people were waiting for. If you talk to any Jew, if you're here and you're Jewish today, you would understand that every single Jew would believe that the Messiah is to come. But many of the people who heard the message of Jesus did not believe that Jesus was the coming Messiah. These 120 people did believe that. And so they believed that Jesus was the coming Messiah. They began to have relationship with him and they began to follow the customs of, uh, of Jesus. And now they begin to be a follower of Jesus and they were committing their entire lives to him. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. He rose from the dead. And then the Bible says in Acts chapter one that they're talking to Jesus and he, flew, he ascended up into the clouds and he disappeared. And now these 120 people are left by themselves with this newfound faith. They've kind of stepped away from believing that this Jewish faith, they believe in the, the, the Torah and the Old Testament, but now they believe that, the, that it's been fulfilled. All of that has been fulfilled through this one man named Jesus. So now no longer do they have to do the feast, do they have to do these religious things. Now they get to have a personal relationship with God. Yeah. Here, 120 people didn't know what to do, so they gathered up 
in this upper room, and there's James on the guitar, the half-brother of Jesus, doing his thing. He's most likely Filipino from the islands. And then we have, you know, you've got Matthew, who's got a pretty good voice, so he's singing. You know, he's, you know Matthew's up there singing, and you've got, you know, John. He's like, well, I'll share a word. John's got a little word. He's a sweet guy. He's a lovey guy. Let me show you a word about love. I love you guys. You know, I love you guys so much, man. That's John's message. I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you. And that's John, John 3.16, God's love the world. Anyways, freedom, anyways, whatever. It's a good verse. One time, God's love the world. Anyways, he had a good message. And so they're sitting up there, they're praying, they're hanging out. I mean, I imagine it was probably kind of intense, but it was probably somewhat just like this, where they're like, gosh, what do we do now? Like God, Jesus left. And all of a sudden, they're just hanging out. And it says, the Bible says in Acts chapter two, that a mighty rushing wind came into the room. And it was like, it was like tongues of fire. It wasn't, uh, it was like tongues of fire. So it looked like little flames of fire and it looked like tongues and it rested upon every single person there. And the Bible says that they spoke in unknown languages. This isn't unintelligible languages. This is intelligent languages like, like French and, and Spanish and English. And the, these disciples began to speak in all sorts of different languages. And the people that were outside heard them. And they said, these people are talking about this God, this Jesus. And, and they don't even speak my language. How do they know my language? And these disciples are just like you and me. Maybe not like you, but like me. I only know one language. The only other one I know is, is sort of sign language. But I'm not going to do it for you today. I just sound like I, I hate to say I didn't keep up with it, but I can do uh, Johnny's Daddy Was Fishing, Tim McGraw. I can perform that song, and I'm going to do that for you next service. So. <laughs> But here he is speaking out loud. He's, they're, they're declaring the, 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 the greatness of God. These people are like, oh my gosh, he's declaring the greatness of God. They're talking about this man named Jesus in our own personal language. But then a bunch of other people are like, no, nah, they're just drunk. It's the Pentecost. They're just getting trashed. It's nine o'clock in the morning. These guys, I heard about these guys, these native Jerusalemites. They are just getting trashed as normal. Stay away from them, kids. Don't go upstairs. And finally, Peter walks out to the very edge and says, listen, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m., okay? It's just nine. We're not drunk. Let me tell you what's happened. And Peter begins to tell the story all the way from Moses all the way up to Jesus. And this is what he says to these people. And this man named Jesus, you killed. You murdered Jesus. You put him on a cross. You murdered the king of glory. You put the coming Messiah that you've been talking about for all these years, the one for thousands of years you've been thinking about, you crucified him on a cross. Now listen, 3,000 people that day heard that word and the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And they 3,000 out of 900,000 had this word in their heart and it says they were cut to the heart and they put their hand up and they said, what do we do, brother? Peter, tell us what to do. And he says, repent, turn from your sins, get water baptized. He says, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, that is a promise for you and every generation to come after you will, will receive the Holy Spirit in their life, the presence of God living in you, the presence of the living God being a part of your life, the presence of the living God ministering you, giving you peace and joy and love and giving you patience and the abundant life that God intended for you. He says, all you have to do is repent and you have to turn your life around towards God and turn to me, get water baptized and become a follower of Jesus. And that day the Bible says, that 3,000 people made that personal commitment to make Jesus Christ their Savior. They got water baptized. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in them. And now they begin to live this new life. And now we come to our key verse this morning. Joel's going to put it on the screen for me in Acts 2.42. And this verse now, the very first verse, describes how the church, the early church, 
uh, responded. Now, if you're here today and you have never been to church before or you've been to church your whole life, I want you to know that the denominational churches or church in general that we know of it today is most likely most of the time not a similar accurate picture to what they experienced in the early church. Our heart is at our Love City Church, among many other great churches in the city that I personally know, there's a lot of them, are trying to embody this Acts 2 uh, experience so that we can truly be the followers of Jesus that we were meant to be, so we can get all that complicated religious stuff out the way, because I hate religion, but I love relationship with Jesus. Somebody said amen. amen. So that we can serve God and have a good time and come on, life's meant to be enjoyable and make it through life and not just make it, but thrive and have blessed finances and have blessed marriages and blessed relationships and be a part of the house of God where you feel like you're making a difference in the lives of the people and reaching people for Jesus Christ. Come on, that's what we see in this scripture. But there's a very interesting word they've used. Our key word today is devoted. The very first verb describing the church was devotion. They were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. So before they were focused on tradition and religion and, and liturgy and history and uh, the values of their family, which are good, but something shifted in their devotion from just going through the motion of religion to now engaging their life, being devoted to God, to Jesus, to the church, to the things of the kingdom of God. They shifted their attention from being devoted what mattered most to men now to being devoted to what mattered most to God. And we see in this verse here today, this word devoted, I have these definitions on the screen. I wanted you to read them. I don't normally do this, but I wanted you to see the definition of these words. Look at these words on the screen here. Steadfast, to never quit, to never stop, to keep on going, to be faithfully committed, to continue in something with courage, to have constant readiness and perseverance. Look at this word. This Greek word actually has the root meaning of to, 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 to spend your life committed to something or the word to be addicted to something. Come on, if you're going to be addicted to something in your life, let's be addicted, addicted to the things that matter most to God. It says here in the scripture, and this word means to be habitually abandoned compulsively or obsessively. This word means to fully embrace something, to immerse yourself in something almost to the point of being a fanatic. That's what this word devotion means. That the early church totally and completely devoted themselves, fully immersed themselves, even to the point of excluding things that no longer mattered in the eyes of God, they devoted their lives to what mattered most to God. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these few things, but I want to mention them just so you understand that this is what their whole life was focused on. Now, do an inventory on your own life. What are you focused on? What are you devoted to? What are you giving your time to, your energy to, your mindset to, your heart to, your life to? The early church only were required and really uh, responded by giving their life. Now, we never see this anywhere in the scripture. They say, and after the, the 3,000 came to God, now we had a six-month seminar on how to be the church. 
We literally go from verse 41 to verse 42. They just knew what to do. Why? Because they were, they were responding to an alive relationship with God. No longer religion. They were responding to an alive relationship with God. And we have just four or five things. I'm just going to run through them quickly, but this isn't the full point of the message today. But you'll see that they continued to persevere in studying the teachings about Jesus, the apostles' teaching. They studied Jesus. They didn't study the idea of our thinking and how our thinking could be, uh, uh, you know, pause the, the, the positive thinking, or they didn't study the doctrine of, of Jesus or study around Jesus, or they didn't study all of these things that sometimes we look at in Scripture. These people were committed to one thing and one thing alone. I want to know about Jesus. I want to learn who He is. I want to be more like Him. I want to follow Him. I want my life to look like His. The teachings of Jesus and who Jesus is and the things that Jesus taught about his kingdom are the most important things that we can put our attention and our focus on. Don't get sidetracked and don't overcomplicate what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ by making it about all the things that you don't understand. Listen, you don't understand it for a reason. God will reveal to you when it's up to him. All you need to worry about is do you know Jesus better? These people were devoted excuse me, devoted and committed to Jesus crucified and Jesus the shepherd and Jesus' return and Jesus' power. They continued to pursue in, the, pursue in the fellowship of the church. Notice that this is all surrounded around the church, which you're in today. That word koinonia is the same Greek word used to define a physical relationship between a husband and a wife, an actual sexual relationship. Now, obviously, you're like, what do you mean? No, I mean that there's a deep intimacy in the in community where you're doing life together where you're sharing all things in common. This community, this koinonia is what defined the local church and they were fanatics about being a part of it. The other thing they did was they were committed to, look at that. God liked, he liked that one. They continued to persevere in eating together, sharing a meal together. Communion with one another. I often tell this, if you ever have dinner with me, I like to take a moment and do a toast. We're having a good meal, having a glass of wine or something like that. I'll do a little toast and say, everyone in the room needs to stop for a moment and recognize that this is what heaven will look like one day. We will gather together, not just with our natural family, with our spiritual family. And we will be together around a table sharing a great meal and great drinks. And with the joy of the Lord, we will begin to share the greatness of God in our lives and all of these wonderful things. We'll share these great things together. We share all things in common. We eat together. And lastly here, prayed and they worship together. Now they were devoted to these things and their whole new life was committed to these. And it would seem as though prior to experiencing Jesus, they were focused on family and the possessions and career and relationships and a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a new husband or a new or marriage or finances or all these things which aren't bad, but all of their attention were on those things. And when they met Jesus, their entire focus changed and now they reprioritize themselves to make sure that they were fully devoted to Jesus and mattered to Jesus. Now let's read a verse here as we, as we come to our, our, our in the message we'll kind of help define for you on a personal level. It's in Mark chapter 28. There's a religious teacher and I want you to know something about this religious teacher. These religious teachers were considered so religious and so uh, well-versed in Scripture that their advice, their counsel, their, their thinking was actually put on the same level as Scripture. 
And so when these men spoke, it was almost like an oracle of God was speaking because they memorized scripture. And so when they came on the scene, these men, uh, and maybe some women as well, were considered Pharisees. They knew the laws of God. They knew about Yahweh God. They understood the religion of God, the tradition of God. They, they, they were experts in the ideas of God, but they never had a personal relationship with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so he came to Jesus, and he asked this very, very simple question. He said to him, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Of all the 633 plus commandments that I have to follow, of all the rules that I have to give myself to, of all the good things that I have to do, just tell me which one you think is the most important. Let's boil it down. And what Jesus did was so fascinating. Jesus quoted directly from the Torah, from Deuteronomy. Now you gotta understand something about this man. This man was devoted. He was devoted to the Old Testament. He was devoted to being righteous. He was devoted to doing good things. He was devoted to tithing. He was devoted to fasting. He was devoted to prayer. He was the most devoted, most religious person that you would see. You'd walk in a room and think, dang, that guy, I look terrible compared to this guy. He was one devoted individual, but he said, tell me what I'm supposed to put my devotion into. And Jesus responds, and if you've been at church at all, you know this verse, but I want you to catch something that maybe you haven't seen before. He said this in verse 29, the most important one answered this. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, I want you to notice something very interesting about the quoted Deuteronomy 6. This verse, this Pharisee knew. He knew this verse. He'd quoted it. He'd read it. He understood it. He spoke it. But Jesus used a, a three key words in there that I don't think this man understood. I highlighted them in this next verse. He used the word Lord three times. Now, that word Lord means to, to be in control of someone, to be someone's master. For, for our case uh, of the Lord would be that he's in control of every area of my life. He's in control of my emotions. He's in control of my heart, where I invest my heart. He's in control of my daily energies, my physical body, control of how I think and what's in my mind. My entire being is submitted to the Lordship of Christ. That's what Lord means. He said, love the Lord your God. I find it very interesting about this verse man responded to Jesus like as though he were on the same playing field as God. He says, oh, wise teacher. And go to the next slide here. He says this. Oh, well said, teacher. That's pretty good. Look what he says. The man replied, you're right in saying to Jesus, you're right in saying that God is one. There's no other but him. Hmm, to love him with all our heart, with all our understanding, all your strength, love your neighbor's self. It's important that all bird offerings, sacrifice. Yeah, Jesus, that's very, very good. I want you to know what is missing from this verse. Lord, I never realized this before, 
But this man, this religious man, kept out the word Lord. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6 verbatim and said, this is exactly what the word says. God, he must, you must be fully devoted to him in every area of your heart, every area of your mind, every area of your soul, every area of your life. What it means to be a follower of Jesus is that I am fully surrendered and a fanatic for my life to be devoted to God and focused on what matters to him. This man said, yeah, 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 I get it. We need to give our lives to God. And I get it, I get it. Yeah, God, 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 God. He left out the word Lord. And look how Jesus responds to him. I find this very fascinating. And I want this to just pierce your heart today. Let this, let, consider what Jesus says back to this man who knew all the right things to say, went, knew all the religion and went to church and did all the right things. Look what Jesus says back to him. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So he says to this man who had devotion in his life, but maybe his devotion was a bit misguided. Maybe his intentions were good. Maybe his heart was right. Maybe he gave to charity or maybe he did these things and all the things that he did were good. He was a good guy. He wanted to serve God, but in reality, he had missed the whole point. Notice God does not say he's there. He says, you're not far. You're on the border. You're so close. You're right there. You just have to shift your devotion from all of the religion and all of the do. See, religion isn't just about God. Religion can be your possessions. Your religion can be your relationships. Your religion can be your addictions. Your religion can be your TV. Your religion can be your video games. Your religion can be your career. Your religion can be your call for God. Your religion can be how much money you give or how big your house is or how much money you get or how big your... Your religion isn't just about God. Listen, your religion is anything you are devoted to fanatically. And this man's devotion was not on God. And Jesus looks at him and says, well said, but I want you to know today, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Maybe he engaged Jesus with his emotions. Maybe he engaged Jesus with his thinking. Maybe he engaged Jesus by his daily energies. You know, I'm not a bad person. I give to charity. I go to church. I'm okay. I believe in God. But maybe this man never fully surrendered his heart to Jesus. Now, the reason I wanted to share this today is because we often think of the word devotion by what we do. Now, the early church defines for us, if you can understand that all God wants from you is for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Well, Ryan, what does that look like? Okay, let me tell you, being a part of the body of believers, studying God's word together, learning about Jesus, praying together, worshiping together, being in relationship with one another, sharing all things in common. The church you read about in Acts chapter two is the church experience that God wants for you. Why? Because all of these other religious things that we try to focus our life on simply distract us from what God intended for our lives in the first place. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to bless your life. He wants to give you fresh faith today. The old is gone and the new has come. He wants to wipe your sin away. He wants to start a new relationship with you. This isn't about rules and regulations. Do you want to know why I don't go out, do all the things that my flesh wants to do? Do you want to know why? Not because I can't, but because I want to honor Jesus. 
don't get into an immoral relationship with another person or look at things I shouldn't or do. And trust me, I'm sinful just like you are. We're all human here and we all fall short of the glory of God. But I don't not do those things because it's a rule in my life. I don't do those things because I know that I want to be devoted to Jesus, my King and my Savior. I want to devote my life to Him and I want everything that I do in my life, my daily energies, my heart, my thinking, and my emotions to be centered and fanatically devoted to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Come on. What's your religion today? Is He the Lord of your life? One of the ways to know whether He's not is when we overcomplicate it. Because it's simple. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. Simple. Ryan, what about all the areas of my life where I'm struggling and sitting? Ryan, I smoke or I drink or I do this or I do that. Listen, it's not my job to tell you not to do those things. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And I want to hear, I want you to hear me. He will speak to you. <laughs> He'll come to you in the middle of the night and say, hey, I want you to stop doing this. You're like, oh God, I love that boyfriend so much. Yes, but he's in an unhealthy relationship for you. And if you want to go forward in me, you got to let that thing go and give me your whole heart. Okay, God, I'm devoted to you. And guess what? Just around the corner comes that Prince Charming riding in on his horse with his hair going back. <laughs> If you submit your life to the Lord, if you submit your heart to God, if you give your emotions to Him, I want to make a promise to you. The promise from Scripture is that your life will be abundant. Yep. You all have a life of faith and a life of joy and a life of hope. And this life stinks sometimes? You betcha. But guess what? we got a God who helps us through it. Because I'm not devoted to the idea of God. He's my Lord. Amen? Yeah. Come on. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. What an honor to be here with you today. I see a few new faces. I'm so glad to, to see you here today. We have a, a moment of, called Discover, and I'd love to meet you. It's just right out. You got to go out the exit and come back in the entrance. Somebody say COVID. <laughs> but there's a little Discover room back there. We'd love to meet you, tell you more, more about us. I want to just give you an opportunity today again if you're here today and you need prayer. You need the Holy Spirit to come right now and speak to your heart, your mind. Our friend Bassie is right here in this room, right here. Here she is in the darkness. And we'll turn on some lights back there. I don't know how, but lights will shine on. Jesus, turn those lights on too. But if you need prayer here today, she would love to pray with you. We have some people back there. We're all COVID friendly. We'll keep our distance. Don't worry. And if you say, you know what? I, I'm okay not keeping my distance. Just whisper that in Bassie's ear and she'll know. But if you need distance, we get it. It's good. We want to honor that. But if you need prayer here today and you say, Ryan, I want prayer. This is the moment. Don't miss it. Why miss the opportunity to experience a relationship with Jesus? Why not start now? Why not start today? Would you close your eyes? I want to pray with you as we end our time. Father, I pray for everyone in the room today, God, who maybe is far from you. We prayed this already, Lord, but I, I pray it again, that they would know today that, Father, this is not a religion. This is not a to-do list. This is not a, uh, a this process or these rules we have to follow. No, God, we just start by simply identifying that God I am in need of you in my life. 
I need you in every area of our heart, God. I need you in my thinking and my relationships and my finances. Lord, I need you in my life, God. I need you to come and be the Lord and the master of my existence. So today I pray for everyone in the room, God, who needs that today. And we just say, Lord, we just want to start a new journey with you. We want to start a journey with you today, God, giving our lives to you. Give us strength to serve you with all of our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.